don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello and welcome to Second Captain Saturday. Oh, Mike David here with Kieran Murphy. Hey, Murph. Hey, Owen. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm doing fine. We have a slightly different episode for you today, but the central idea is the same. We're going to chat to someone we admire from outside sport and give them the opportunity of a lifetime to become Second Captain's greatest non-sports person, sports person. Our guest today is the extraordinary musician and artist Dave Balf, who's doing some incredible things at the moment under the name For Those I Love. But just a very quick reminder of how things stand, please, on our This Sporting Life leaderboard. Could have been a contender. Could have been somebody. So our guest in week one was Richard Ford and he's setting the pace with 85 points. Bonnie Greer got 71 points last week. This is a very stretched field. Which end of the spectrum will Dave Balf (laughs) occupy by the end of today? To quote one of the true heroes of this Olympic week on... A nation holds its breath. <laughs> We've sadly got less time with you this week on RT Radio 1. Uh, Saturday's sport begins at 1.30 today to cover the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinal. But don't worry, Murph, stop worrying. Uh, on you bet, allay my fears on as quickly as possible. Our, our full conversation with Dave will be available to listen to immediately on rte.ie or wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. Just search or Google Second Captains RTE and we'll also tweet and Instagram a link at Second Captains. So any fears are allayed there, Murph. The full conversation is available. David Balf grew up in Donahmead in Dublin. He went to school in Coolock. He's been doing really big things recently by creating music that he feels represents the working class community he comes from in a more genuine way than it's usually portrayed he performs under the name for those i love and his album released earlier this year landed him huge international recognition the album it's a memorial i guess it's the best way to describe it to paul curran his best friend paul curran who was also a musician and spoken word artist paul died by suicide aged 27 a few years back in 2018 and it's just beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time this album and the live performances that I've seen that have gone with it as well I mean many of you might well have seen his incredible performance on Jules Holland late last year where he unfurled a Shelburne football club flag on stage in tribute to Paul Mm. this was a hell of a moment Murphy saw that one yeah yeah gorgeous we're going to talk about the significance of sport in his own life and how it's helped him to grieve for his best mate on today's show. So let's get to it. This track is the brilliant I Have a Love, which features the voices of some of Dave's friends, including Paul's voice, which is taken from old WhatsApp voice notes and old videos on his phone, and it's just incredibly powerful. This is one of the biggest young talents in Irish music that we have on today's show. You're listening to Second Captain Saturday, and this is For Those I Love. I have a love. And it never fades from the space where we learn to be brave and face guards, grief and knaves and late days that can shame and break saints with the weight of the city's hate from the smother estate. But every sound we could take went on the art that we make. We'd go straight through the day on a rake of empty plates, up to eight of us pulling ten quid to make something great. So our love will never fade. Our love will never fade. I have a love, and it never fades Now a long way from school days Sharing books at big break With the two of us and Barry and Craig Talking tunes and poems with too much weight for our age But the love that remains would shape the memory that stays Even now we can see our face when those cards are replayed Arm around me 
shoulder in teenage embrace. Tell all your friends, I'd say. And a year ago or so, I played this song for you in the car stereo in the night's breeze. This bit kicked in with its synths and its keys and you smiled as you sat next to me. You in the front, Gilly in the backseat going 90 to the sounds as we roared down the street. The other boys stomping feet and me and all that disbelief from the joy and the break in the beats. We got out and stood by that Kia Rio cage stage and I felt like I had it all. Cause I have a love and it'll never fade and either will you, Paul. That is the heartbreakingly beautiful I Have a Love by Dave Balf, who's had a phenomenal success performing under the name For Those I Love. His album was originally intended to be heard only by his closest friends, but it's ended up at number two in the Irish charts. He's ended up on the front cover of the New York Times, no less. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he's the first musician ever to unfurl a shells flag on Later with Jules Holland on the BBC. Dave Balf, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me, lads. It's, uh, it's very nice to be here. Um... It's, it's, it's amazing hearing the year recalled back to me like that because it feels like I've spent the entire year just sat in this one tiny little room in my house. But it seems like a lot has gone on. This is, it's, it's good. It's good to hear it like that. Well, listen, if nothing else, you got a Shelburne flag onto the BBC. So that was a, a hell of a moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was for me. It was for mine as well. They, they, they all loved it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been unable to... I've been unable to get to anything shells related without a little pat on the back from someone saying, <laughs> like, nice one. Yeah. Tell us a bit about, uh, we'll come back to Shelburne, but mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about Jules Holland and that performance. Uh, I believe that that was quite a significant show. Well, it's great for any musician to be on, but specifically for you, that was one you really wanted to do. The only musical goals I had, in fact, the only goals I had in, in I guess, for my, my life in general, um, were, were both musical ones and one of which was to to play Jules Holland. It's just been something that had been in my peripheral since I was a child. It I like I, I have so many incredible um and and almost like romantic picturesque memories of watching that show as a kid. And then it took on a little bit of a, a second life then when I was remaking music and and making music with my my peers my best friends when we were a little bit older and that was always kind of the that was always the the lofty aspiration that you 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 put up on the top shelf and go yeah that's what we're gonna do but you know it's never coming but you're just like yeah man jules holland jules holland's happening someday um but yeah and then i I still don't really know how it happened i just got a message from the lads and they were like yeah jules holland in a week and i I lost, I lost my mind, um, <laughs> and I just yeah rang me mash straight away, and uh, yeah, I I'll be honest, I was I was a little bit, just a little bit teary eyed, you know. Oh yeah, no, well deserved. I'm sure your mum was thrilled about it. You mentioned your friends there. I think Paul in particular is that right? He he and you had a, a shared sort of dream of appearing on that. Yeah, I think you know a lot of our. But Paul was Paul was my my best friend since pretty much the the first week of secondary school, so from the time I was about thirteen, and um, even some of our most early shared interactions were to do with performances that took place on Jill Holland in particular, and at the drive-in performance, um, it was just total total chaos. I've never seen anything like it. And at the end, they move from a totally trashed stage to 
Robbie Williams looking <laughs> bewildered <laughs> with his chin on a piano. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and we, we just, we loved that. And it, it always came as a, as a reference for us. And it's something that we just constantly went back and forth on. And we had a band called Burnt Out. And that was kind of like, it was the goal. We always said, we'll make this album we'll play one show and the only way we'll play another show is if it's on Jules Holland. No one, you know, no one damn well that for us that wasn't that wasn't coming down the road. But uh but yeah that was that was the the shared thing. And that's partially why, you know, I, I took that Shell's flag out. I think a lot of people saw that explicitly as a love for you know, as as me professing my love for the club, but that was part that's Paul's Kulak Red uh, Red's flag and and you know obviously uh, uh, you know, very very difficult but but you know paul paul passed a couple of years ago and yeah it felt it felt very nice to it felt more than nice it it, it felt a, an element of significance to sort of feel some piece of him in the room to be able to share that to share that experience of playing jills you know with 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 some with with some part of paul still there so yeah, that that's that's really why that flag was there, you know. That's really why it was there. You had, I think, uh, a shared idea of what you wanted to put out there about uh, representing where you're from and your background as well. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Paul and I both grew up in working class households, working class family, and you know, a, a lineage of working class families. That was something that we always wanted to reflect within the the work that we were making because we knew that there was importance in representing the world that we were in we knew that there was beauty in representing the world that we were in which is so so vital and and i think often maybe gets gets overlooked in some of the work that we made because i think many people see uh the tread of tragedy that can run through it and and often overlook the the beauty that's described there what is the um, beauty, Dave? What is the beauty? What What are the kind of things that you you say about where you came from that you don't think or didn't feel was being said elsewhere? I remember Paul writing a piece called Seven Aside about playing Seven Aside football and specifically writing at one stage about the importance and the beauty in, in, in the work of just laying down the lines for the pitch. Something that gets so overlooked as just menial menial labor but that for that person it can be you know a thing of a thing of beauty a thing of art but it's also something that builds the ground for the game that's going to take place then it builds the ground for every other interaction that happens on top of that it's something that gets so overlooked and I feel like with a lot of the art that we were making and a lot of what we were trying to represent it was speaking very specifically about the overlooked acts of love of labor of sacrifice and i think they are often the things that particularly in working class backgrounds get very very overlooked Um, we always just see the fruits but we don't necessarily see the seeds that were planted and i think that that's something that uh, is very very vital something that paul really um excelled in 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 his own work and something that i feel like i'm i'm very grateful to have learned from myself oh it's beautifully explained it's not something i'd ever really thought about before to be honest um paul 
Paul died by suicide in 2018 and there's a lot of his voice on the album. WhatsApp voice notes, audio from videos, that kind of thing. Was it important to you that you memorialise him in this way? Because I think we probably all worry about what we're going to remember and what we'll forget about loved ones who pass away. But in a way, there's a lot more of people left now than there would have been before. Yeah. One One of my big regrets in my life is is years ago before my before my granddad passed when I was I don't know exactly how old I was, eighteen maybe. Um my granddad, a, a good good union man, was one of the, the founders of Columbans uh football club and was a great storyteller as well. Told me a lot of stories and in the period of time when he was in hospital, I used to visit him in hospital and he would tell me stories. And I have a shocking memory, I have a terrible, terrible memory. And it, it hurts me so much that I never sat down and just took my phone out and stuck it on record and just had those artifacts and those memories. Because not just for me, for my ma, for my aunties, for my nanny, I know that they would still grasp those if we were able to unearth, you know, a story of my granddad talking about, you know, some of the early union days in the post office when he was there or whatever. Um and storytelling amongst yourselves, sharing sharing memories is a very strange thing as well. And I've noticed this a lot over the over the, the 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 start of the first lockdown. I was on a lot of zooms with my family, and we all started telling these stories about my granddad. And then everybody had a totally different account of what had happened, what took place, and you've got this fragmented jigsaw that you try and form into one cohesive memory. And I've always feared that happening in my personal life with my friends and my peers. I think I'm very lucky that myself and my my closest friends became very obsessive about just filming and hanging on to every piece and every moment we had. And I don't think we ever knew what the objective was or why we were doing that. I think it's only maybe after, yeah, you know, after, you don't anticipate to have to hold on to the artifacts of a, you know, 27 year old or earlier in our life, people that were 23, 24, but never that young. Um, I think, you know, we, we, in many ways we took it for, we took it for granted and yeah, it was only after, it was only after that occurred that we realised how lucky we were to be able to go back and listen to how Paul sounds and not just not just how he looks, not just the picture, not just how he looks, but you know, you, you, you forget how people walk, um you forget their mannerisms. Like so so much of a so much of a, a person's ability to communicate and express is not just their their words it's what they say with their hands it's what they say with their face their feelings their uh the 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 way they hold their body in any one interaction we have a lot of that and then i think the thing that um the thing that really struck my immediate friends when they first heard the record was hearing paul laugh again um and i think that's both the most beautiful and the hardest the hardest thing to to listen to and to hang on to um 
and I have it in abundance. I have so many. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a take of any piece of film that we shot that didn't end with a joke and and a laugh and a cackle. And it's so much of who he was to us as a person. And I'm so glad that I have that there. I'm so glad that I was able to bring that to life on the record. I mentioned briefly there just how how bad my memory is. And it's just such a major fear that I have that you can just forget these things. But I, yeah, I felt assured that if I just put it in a piece of music, I'd never, I'd never lose it and I'd never forget it. And I, I think that's probably the case. I think. I know this is like, I'm sure this is really tough to talk about. And I know you've, you've put the album out and, it, and, and I guess this is part of it being public talking about this and about Paul. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's not easy anytime you do it. So we do, we do appreciate it. I, I, I want to be sensitive to, no. uh, you know, you trying to articulate some thoughts on the, on these very, very deep topics, really. Can, can I ask you where Shelburne fits into all this? You, we, we've touched on the sure. flag earlier. Uh, I get I he was the big shells fan really from from a long way out and did you get kind of dragged along dragged into that life yeah shells um shells was a club that had a a large grip on the lives of a few of my friends um in particular Paul and in particular Robbie I had fallen out of love with football by the time I was maybe 14 um I'd mostly left it behind I'd stopped playing I'd no legacy interest in English football either. It just didn't it didn't really interest me. It did of course when I was a child, but I think that's that's also because that's the game that I had access to as a child and it meant the world to me as a child. But my interests started to just change as I got a little bit older. Um as we we ventured on through our teens and into our early twenties, like Paul was just so non-stop adamant you need to come to shells you have to come to shells you have to see it man it's all the the glory the pain it's all there it's it's you live and die by the game and i was always enthralled by what he was saying but i was also just so broke that i wasn't able to pay you know 10 or 15 quid cap into the game if that was all the the money i had for the weekend and i could go to it you know go see it like local gig in town for a quid because that's where my interests lay at the time and then the odd time i'd get a little nixer in or something and i'd have 50 quid that week instead and paul would get me to go to a game and i've said this a couple of times when i first went to shells games i don't ever really remember watching the match i remember watching paul and gavoy and how they responded to what was going on and seeing just the euphoria that they were experiencing. Like Paul, for instance, this is somebody who'd been my best friend for, let's say, eight, nine years at that stage. And I knew him to be one way. And then you walk inside Talca and you hit kickoff. And there's a different sense of beauty to the world or something. And, and every single meticulous torn and kick that happens is life and death 
and you just see a vibrancy that you've never seen before that you haven't seen it there for the arts um i just i saw i saw a life inside paul that i i hadn't seen before and um and that was a very beautiful and special thing to see i still wasn't fully baptized into the world of shells by that stage i was it's just dipping dipping my toes from time to time and just kind of enthralled by Paul's love for it and enthralled by a bit of folklore as well. Um, it wasn't until after Paul passed away that, you know, you you start to look again at the the things that brought him that kind of life and that kind of joy and that still brought you back to a feeling of connectivity with with your you know your best mate um Paul very sadly passed on the same day as one of the other young very young also 27 one of the other young shells fans named smurf when you when you when you think about that and you think about the uh just what are, what are the chances it's still it's still hard to believe that any of it's real because it just doesn't seem possible that that could have happened that they both at the same age just stones throw from each other past on the same day and they both you know they were both they both stood in the new stand uh you know in arms reach of each other for all of their 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 time going to shells games um the club they just connected with everybody immediately and basically gave the message whatever you need we're here and you just have it we uh you know the club invited all friends and family and everything down to the to the first game back um in talca that season it was um yeah longford It was a wild, a wild game. It was a, uh, it was three all until the ninety third minute, and Davy O'Sullivan scored a penal. Right. That's how I remember it. Um, so we we won four three, and it was a little bit of time removed from when Paul had first passed. I think it was about a month and two weeks or so, and that you know, ninety odd minute stint inside of Talca was probably the first time in that six week period that I had any type of respite any type of relief and I think I understood what it meant to be able to lose yourself in that game for the first time to be able to just commit every piece of pain and stress and confusion into somebody else's actions for 90 minutes and just wipe your hands clean of it and feel connected in a, you know a, a pulse in the terraces everybody all feeling the same things um at the the 27th minute mark in the game the ultras did like um a big uh banner and flares display so they had banners of paul and banners of of smurf 
Um, and you know, just seeing seeing these people celebrate the life of my best friend that way, feeling the the welcoming hand of the club and the love of the club. Yeah, I just felt like I couldn't ever step away from it then, and I couldn't miss I, I couldn't miss a game from then on. I, I felt like we all, all of us as a group, we all, you know, we all still go. We all felt like we just needed to take up that same space in in talk that Paul did. Um, and then after the game, we, uh, yeah, we we did his, uh, we did his ashes in the 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 middle of the pitch. Um, yeah, you can't uh, you can't separate yourself from from that anymore. And and that 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 love and that that love and that support and that feeling of separation from the world, that sense of of euphoria, um, that escape, none of that has died. It hasn't dampened none of it. I still feel that same connection when I go into Talca. Um, I'm very lucky that I've been able to go into Talca at times, even when there hasn't been games on where I've been able to just get access just to go in and walk around and just be there for a minute. And, um, that's amazing. Uh, that it's a, even though Paul is gone, you feel that connect, or maybe even in part because Paul is gone, you feel that sort of connection with the place that was sort of holy ground for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a very unexpected transition from being maybe his holy ground to, to our holy ground, you know? Um, I get it. I see it. I see the. I see the logic of it, but it. But it, it feels a bit bewildering still to to think about it like that. Yeah, it it really, it really breaks my heart and has has, has kept me up. A lot um, at the prospect of 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 Talca potentially being demolished and 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 turned into apartments or. Yeah, I saw whatever you, it's potentially going to be. You know, you're part of this, and you mentioned the times you've been in Talca. You, you know, you've recorded videos there and brilliant uh, short movies, this kind of stuff. One of the videos was released to coincide with this um, this movement to save Talca Park, which is, I mean, you're properly in um, esteemed football man company there with the likes of uh, Dunphy, I think, was involved. And mm. I saw a quote from John Giles about how, how much he loved Talca Park growing up, all that, all that kind of stuff. But uh, essentially, you can maybe you can maybe tell us. What it's about, why you feel it's important to, in the words of the campaign, save Talca. Um, look, my, uh, I think, I think it's very clear where my allegiances lie and why they lie there. So I know that I'm going to give a very, very biased account, and my account is pretty much what I've described there. You know, for me, on a personal note, on that selfish note, I can't separate from it because it is the, you know, it is for me essentially the you know the rest in place of of my best friend but it's not just him it's that for many many people and even those who don't have their who don't have their 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 ashes scattered there who don't who don't have that Im- immediate uh you know tangible piece there they're still the craftsmanship of their relationships so many family bonds so many you know uh grandson grandfather bonds were made in that in in that venue in that stadium um so many friendships just un unbreakable connections were made there and it's that that i you know that i want to highlight there's other people that will 
be far better equipped to articulate the political argument and certainly there is one um it is public land and public land should stay for public use i do not believe that public land should be sold in order to fund apartments or, or housing that is by all accounts so far not going to be accessible to the layperson um to the people within the area uh overpriced housing or or rented accommodation we are in the middle of a housing crisis i feel i would feel very different about this and i've been very open about the the fact that i probably would feel very different with this and i would be able to step aside and see it in a, a more holistic view if i knew that the housing that was going to be supplied there would be housing that would be accessible to everybody um and not a not just more um high price rented accommodation but that is not the case well, we're going to come back to sport to rank your sporting life in a little bit. But obviously, in everything we've spoken about so far today, Paul's life and death have been front and centre, really. Just going back to your album, how has its release and its success helped you to get to a somewhat better place? Um, or has it helped you? Has that been part of it? I feel like this is something I might only know with a bit more hindsight. There's very specific things that help, um, and they're very black and white. The exchange of um, the exchange of music for money does offer a financial security, which makes it somewhat easier to seek professional help and professional, uh, you know, professional mental health services medication regular uh you know a, a, a good team of, of doctors whatever um i i make that point because that's one of the things that's so uh lacking for so many of us and something that was lacking deeply for me um in maybe particularly in the years uh you know my my early 20s into my mid 20s Access, access some, to, to mental yeah, health you're talking about there, but particularly for in working class communities. Yeah, yeah, and and at a at a pace where, at a pace and at a time when it's needed instead of um, very long waiting lists. So I, I make that point because I feel it's 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 very cold. It's very black and white, but but that exchange is is very important, and financial security does help lift that burden a massive amount when we speak about the actual art though that's where i feel like i need a bit more of that hindsight there's many things that have helped and there's many things that have hindered when it comes down to the record yes i, I made that record at first for my friends my family and for myself i would i would also you know I, I i still don't know where i fall on this but i feel like so much of that record was made for paul it was a record that was started in a different light before any of this happened it was a record that was started just as a, a, a monument of thanks to my friends and my family for the sacrifices they had made um and then unfortunately things had, had took that, that tragic turn and we went down a very different journey then thereafter and i, I did continue on with the the music and, and and reshaped those stories in a very different light um 
when I when I made that at first, I feel like it did a lot of things. It reaffirmed to myself how it was that I was feeling. And that's something that can get very lost when you're seeking oblivion. It's something that can ve- get very lost when um when you're numb or or your your only uh your only bouts of care are not for yourself but they're for the people who are around you and who are still suffering and vulnerable. Um I was I was lucky that I had uh, a small shed that I could retire into in the nighttime and I could kind of separate a little bit and it was only in those moments when I was making that music that I was I feel like I was able to to face the the real darkness not the not the blackness of oblivion but the real the real yeah the the stuff that that haunts you that sends you there in the first place um and making that you know it didn't separate me from that entirely but it it, it allowed me to acknowledge its existence which is, is so so important um and being able to share that then with my friends and family and share this as still a testament to love and a testament to to survival i feel like that was a major step for me and maybe in some ways a step for for all of us it's certainly been relayed to me that way a lot of that has changed now when we moved to making this more public facing I know I talked about it quite a lot, but you 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 start to face um, elements of guilt then, where you have opened this portal into your life, your friends' lives, your family's lives, and made it made it public. It's hard not to carry a burden with that. It's hard not to feel like you are exposing pieces of your own private history and all of that can live with you one day and then the next day it's gone because you get a message or you get 10 messages or 20 messages in a day from a series of strangers into your inbox saying hey man i suffered a terrible tragedy in my life and this 45 minute piece of music has allowed me to reshape my view on that, how I feel about that, how I feel about myself, what I had planned for myself and how I thought, you know, my life or the immediacy, the potential of my life, my, the potential of me to still be here would play out. Um, that is a an astronomical thing to take in, especially to take it in with the frequency that it comes and it's a lot and it's 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 not all it's not all um it's not all a beautiful thing that lifts the weight of that grief or that burden because it's very hard to read all of those stories it's very hard to know how or if to reply to know whether you're responding on a purely personal basis or at what times you need to reply and say hey here are some free services that you can you know that we could speak to let's put you in touch with this person that person it's 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 i i i made songs in my mass shed i don't i don't have the answers to these things i don't know but i do know that those 
responses from strangers saying that these songs that I made in my mass shed a couple years ago have helped them in ways that I very, very truly could never have imagined. It lifts the guilt, it lifts the burden, and it reaffirms to me the reasons why I, I, I ventured to make this public in the first place, because I know how other acts have done that for me in my own life. All right, well, I, I think just before we settle into this sporting life of Dave Balf, let's play another one from the album. The video for this tune is based entirely in and around Talca Park. We'll tweet a link to it. This is called To Have You by For Those I Love. Things this way. 
to have you by for those I love. Dave Balf is our guest today on Second Captain Saturday. All right, Dave, what we're going to do here is rank your sporting life, talk about your own sporting highlight. You're, I see your eyes have widened in horror here. <laughs> this is where you get to tell us. Well, you talked about a little bit about football, how you played a bit when you were younger, you, you moved away from you came back as a supporter. Are you any good at football? Were you any good at football? Um, I'm not any good at football now. I The most recent game I played was a charity match in Talca and a beautiful highlight of the game I got a Cruyff torn oh. and it was pretty much the I think it might have been my only touch for the match I got a Cruyff torn and uh. pelted it down the, the, the left wing and there's like a series of photographs um, of someone coming in for the tackle and me doing the Cruyff torn so that's that's like I've been living and dying by that moment for the past couple of years. Anytime I've had, you know, more than four or five points in the pub, I'm like, let me tell you about the time <laughs> I played in Talca Park. Um, but before that, no, I, I finished I finished playing ball when it was about 13 or 14. I feel like, by all accounts, I was decent as a, mm. I was decent as a young fella. I had a lot of uh, good incentive. My granddad used to give me a pound if I scored a goal, which that is... That is like, serious money. She That's take that. serious yeah, yeah. money as a kid. Yeah. Serious, serious money as a kid. Um, so I feel I, pr- I played for uh, I played for Trinity Boys in in Donamid. Um, I was the captain for a long time. I was a lousy centre mid. They played me captain as centre mid for a long time. I was a lousy centre mid, but I was a pretty decent uh, winger. Yeah. I, I played right wing for a long time and had a bit of pace on me. And uh, no, I had, I was decent at the L set pieces and stuff, but nah, at all that. The, the the wheels came off then and it all fell apart. I lost interest and I couldn't keep up. You were uh, a good kickboxer though, I heard. Uh, I was a good kickboxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got the email about this, I think um, I think somebody in the email wrote that I was an exceptional kickboxer <laughs> and I definitely, I took I took issue with that. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into here yeah, yeah, yeah. if they're going to say I was exceptional. Yeah, I, uh, I did martial arts since I was um, maybe six, six or seven since 1997 so yeah when it's maybe six six or seven um and uh yeah i went through traditional karate and then into into kickboxing and then i coached kickboxing for for quite a while as well um yeah that's where i think a lot of my real love for sport was was developed it's not that fun to talk about but um but yeah it, it kickboxing is still something that i am um just unbelievably uh enthralled and invested in and i think my understanding uh, i i i've struggled with articulating this recently because i think i tried to articulate this to my partner recently how i've become obsessive with nine ball pool over the past couple of years um me and and, and one of my best mates uh the difficulties with travel first the past couple of years, we had tickets to to the Moscone Cup, um, and then the LA, unfortunately the the pandemic happened, and we weren't able to go. We were devastated. The um, big question that we got to ask is sporting highlight, a highlight of your own sports career. Is it that Cruyff turn, or do you want to offer something else? Nah, I doubt it's the Cruyff. I doubt it's the Cruyff turn. Um, the, there's like. I knew I'd be getting asked this question and I, and I thought a lot about it and I was going through all the different things like uh, what about this knock, that knock and then I I think I settled that like the the most memorable sporting moment for me was absolutely not one steeped in glory at all but I think it's one that I uh, it, it it still has it still has some means 
a lot. We still think about it a lot, but it was missing a peno in a semi-final in St. Anne's Park playing, I think, under 13s or under 14s. I think it was my last year playing football. Um, and I missed a peno. It was the, it was the last peno taker. And I put it over the bar. Oh. I rocketed it over the bar. And my ma was there to watch the match. And my ma cried on the sidelines. Oh, no. Because she thought that none of my friends from football would talk to me again <laughs> after, oh missing, You've after them missing the penalty. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like she might have had something to it. I feel like <laughs> there's something to that. Because you, you had, man. Jesus, missing the penalty, there's, there's no joke. Even in, uh, even in you know, even in the uh, St. Anne's Park on a, on a Sunday morning with 11 people on the sidelines, you, you know? Can, yeah, you can empathize of what, what went through the heads of a lot of those players in the ah. Euros. Okay, listen, Murph. I think we have what we need here. Dave's hard work is done. He's giving you his highlight here. And it's worth mentioning, by the way, before you give him some points, that Shells are top of the first division at the moment. So please factor that in as you rank this sporting life of Dave Val. You don't understand. I could have had class. We don't have stars in this game, Mrs. Weaver. What do you have then? People like me. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. All right, Dave, time for me to get down to business here. The task at hand is to evaluate your career sporting highlight, nominate a sports person that I feel most closely resembles you and your sporting career, and then give you a score out of 100. We'll see if you can beat veteran campaigners Bonnie Greer and Richard Ford to take the lead at the top of our greatest non-sports person, sports person leader, leaderboard for 2021. 85 is the number to beat. So I gotta love how you do a Christ turn with your only touch in a charity match in Talk Park, then just walk off the pitch. This is it. It doesn't get any better than this. I... <laughs> I also love the fact that you were a pro from an early age, literally a professional, a pound a goal as a 12-year-old. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any point in overthinking this. You are the new face of Shelburne Football Club, and the old face of Shelburne Football Club is the mighty Stephen Gagan, whose hard man weighs, eye for a goal, and unbelievable Ronnie will never be forgotten down by the talk. It's not even that you remind me of him, it's more that you're carrying on the Gagan legacy into the 21st century. It literally doesn't get any better than that points added for your love of the Moscone Cup surely the most fringe sporting event, we, event we've ever had someone <laughs> mention here on the show points deducted I'm afraid for the St. Anne's Park for I go you just you gotta hit the target yeah, I'm sorry you know, make work. the keeper work yeah. you gotta work that keeper anyway all in all I'm happy to say that that's good enough for 80 points Dave and second place in this year's leaderboard Dave Dave Valve this has been your sporting life oh, give the man a round of applause Dave thank you absolutely brilliant round of applause what a pro what a pro <laughs> magnificent Brilliant stuff from Dave there, I have to say. I think whatever about his sporting pedigree, Murph, you've, you've mm. ranked it fairly there. We can't recommend Well, thank you, Owen. I mean, that's, that's my job. I mean, you know. It's the only reason you you're employed thank the the postman for <laughs> Do you thank the postman for delivering the mail? Oh, that's but just what I do. Whatever about the sport, we definitely can't recommend his music highly enough. So go out and have a look at For Those I Love. That's it from us. We're back on air on RT Radio 1 next week. And our guest is a good one. Malcolm Gladwell is going to join us from 1 o'clock. That is Malcolm Oof. Gladwell. Ooh on Second Captain Saturday with us next week. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Second Captain, First Captain, whatever.